episode 212 of the Anarchist News Podcast, a digest and conversations from the previous week on anarchistnews.org. What's new this week? Abolish the state. From the Colombian International Workers Association, which sounds a bit better than other worker associations. But this, despite the title, is mostly a piece about how the state should be working better and can't expect the loyalty of the people until it does. This is a classic case of critique, which some people mistakenly think is refuting the thing being critiqued, but actually works to strengthen it. Anyway, the piece ends with, you guessed it, demands, quote, it is not necessary for the state controlled by the elite to decree the agrarian reform. It's the communities, towns, and municipalities themselves who can do it without intermediaries. They only need to agree to an assembly and start it. Abolish the relations of subordination to the narco-oligarchic state. End of passive activity, it is time to go out to the streets. Obstruct the exercise of repression. Build autonomous neighborhood and municipal assemblies. Abolish the machoist, I think, relations and patriarchal oppression, diverse participation and gender equality, agreements of renouncing the war. Hmm. Unarmed civil disobedience. Avoid the tax reform. Avoid pension reform. Avoid labor reform. Abolish the state. Set up assemblies. Unquote. If only exclamation marks were actual bangs, right? Anarchist Nelson Mendez has died of COVID-19 via email. Sad news on the death of Venezuelan anarchist, author, and sociology professor Nelson Mendez. Quote, Nelson was a reference for several generations of Venezuelan anarchist activists. His cubicle at the UCV School of Engineering was an epicenter for libertarian publications, arriving from various parts of the world and planning meetings for organizing and propaganda activities. He was consistently anti-authoritarian, rejecting the inequities of the Venezuelan governments before and after 1998, as well as the coup d'etat of different ideological signs that occurred in 1992 and 2002." Death comes even for anarchists, sadly. April's anarchist zines and pamphlets from Sprout Distro. List of zine titles include Face to Face with the Enemy, Earth First News, Spring 2021, Anathema, April 2021, and the much commented on A News, Settlers on the Red Road, on Digeneity, Appropriation, and Belonging. I checked out two of the selections, the first being Without Police, Community Safety, and Accountability Alternatives in Three Examples, which mostly shows examples of how the people, TM, have become the cops in places like Rojava, blurg. The second was Making Sense of Fascism by Matthew N. Lyons, which seems to be a well-thought-out, not particularly scandalous treatment of the issue. Quote, it, fascism, is a political current which, like socialism, liberalism, or conservatism, embodies its own set of ideas, policies, organizational forms, and bases of support. Like all major political currents, fascism exists in multiple variations and evolves dynamically to address new historical conditions. This means that no definition of fascism is the one true final answer. But defining, or at least describing, fascism can help us to grasp fascism's key features, delineate its relationship with other forces, and explore how it develops and how it can be fought." Unquote. Okay, maybe not that last line. On the National Strike and Protests in Colombia, from Via Libre, translated by Enough is Enough 14. This is entirely a news post about what is going on with civil unrest in Colombia, originally sparked, apparently, by a threatened tax increase, but continuing even after a somewhat half-assed capitulation by the government to modify the proposed tax change. Emphasizing the news and anarchist news, which is probably just as well, since the writers are anarcho-communists and we already heard from the international workers, right? Quote, In this atmosphere of discontent, the task ahead is to strengthen the mobilization and the struggles that arise, that are activated or reactivated at this important juncture. Our challenge continues to be the creation of a strong population capable of counteracting the advances of capital and building a socialist, anti-patriarchal, anti-colonial, free and just society. 
It is time to strengthen the grassroots processes, to organize the nonconformist sectors, to support the mobilization, and to encourage it so that important victories will emerge from it, whether in the form of concessions made by public pressure and direct action, or in the form of the organization of the population and the power of struggle, unquote. Ooh, baby. The Anarchist Mission in the Modern World from Gatorna by Phil Kuznetsov. Gatorna doesn't seem to have an about us, at least not in English, but it includes a bunch of articles in varying languages, most of them apparently at least peripheral to anarchy, as far as an English-only anarchist can tell. This particular piece is from a Russian perspective, and I'm not going to be too snarky because things are different in different parts of the world. Like, the anti-egoism statement could mean something different than what it seems to mean, even in a piece that is all about extolling the virtues of getting along with people and loving your neighbor, etc. Anyway, this essay urges us to reject the alienation and egoism brought about by capitalism and the state, and to recreate society in a good image, with no gender inequity, etc. Quote, The reorganization of living space with the elimination of the monstrous metropolis as a form of human community life is extremely important. The living settlement should be proportionate to the person, no matter how subjective it may sound. The lifeless anthropogenic landscape cutting off a human from the natural complexes must give place to the harmonious inclusion of settlement in the natural landscape, the interweaving of the natural and the human, unquote. So it's good to hear from the folks over there. May they stay strong. A May Day Seattle Roundup from Puget Sound Anarchists. A uh, somewhat kind of sad set of report backs on activist actions such as flyering outside of a Starbucks and then subsequently getting roughed up by cops. Quote, Despite waning numbers in the streets amidst COVID and liberal apathy, people came out for May Day. Seattle police were vicious, grumpy, none of them are allowed the holiday off. But diverse, decentralized, simultaneous actions were taken in the fight for total liberation, unquote. So high risk and low reward when it comes to fighting liberal apathy, though the image of cops as grumpy is kind of sweet, though, in a terrifying way. Three-Way Fight on NCRI from threewayfight.blogspot.com a breakdown that I'm not sure anyone asked for, of how the Network Contagion Research Institute, of which Alexander Reed Ross is famously a part, is bad because they, one, use disease metaphors to describe extremist groups, which is apparently bad because Nazis, not because it is generally a fraught metaphor, and two, that NCRI is terrible because it lumps together right-wing and left-wing groups, which is lame because anarchists are totally not terrorists and don't kill people. Blurg. Quote, The equation of right-wing and left-wing violence is fundamentally dishonest for two reasons, as Christian Williams has argued. First, rightists in the U.S. have carried out far more terrorist attacks than leftists. Oh, as the eminently non-leftist Center for Strategic and International Studies has documented. Second, in Williams' words, whatever tactical or ethical disagreements we may have with leftist attacks, hmm, there can be no equivalency between the violence of a slave revolt and the violence of a slave master, between the violence of anti-fascists and that of the Atomwaffen division, unquote. Remember, at all times, people, we are the good guys. Eccentricity from nudism as a legalism. Quickly becoming my favorite A-news submitter, here the author behind NAI reflects on the various ways that moral high-groundedness among anarchists kills curiosity and feeds into larger societal narratives around perversion. Quote, An ascribed quality of eccentricity, you're weird, or perversity, you're evil, is really just the same thing, viewed from different angles or maybe through a different lens. In either case, it terminates the possibility of any kind of serious conversation about the why of it all, the ideas or experiences that motivate a given behavior, etc., I don't think that's ever a good thing in and of itself, even with respect to ideas and or associated behaviors that I truly think are awful, 
e.g. not the ideas that are the topic of this blog, because when there is no conversation, there can be no understanding of how and why some people end up with these ideas and or maybe doing the associated shitty things. The eccentric, the perverted, learn to be cagey about what they think and feel, which, to the extent they have something actually really bad going on, is likely to lead to bad shit happening in a way that is more unpredictable for everyone else because they were so secret about it, unquote. In a subculture which was once proudly home to many freaks, I certainly appreciate this author's commitment to poking at all the various ways anarchists still live with that little cop in their heads. I mean, we're all perverts here, right? Woohoo! The Fight for Partial Freedom in Vietnam, from Mio Mun's blog, which apparently is hosted by libcom.org, which, you know, fuck them. Mio Mun says it's a Vietnamese anarchist collective. But anyway, this is the group's thoughts on anarchists endorsing an openly queer person currently running for parliament in Vietnam. This piece embraces partial freedom as an anarchist stepping stone. Quote, Anarchists need to swallow this bitter pill and do better when building our program. We cannot afford to be apathetic in the fight for partial freedom. To quote Malatesta, while preaching against every kind of government and demanding complete freedom, we must support all struggles for partial freedom because we are convinced that one learns through struggle and that once one begins to enjoy a little freedom, one ends by wanting it all. If anarchists abandon the countless small fights for partial freedom and our showdown for total liberation, then we have already failed our most marginalized and oppressed, and our revolution is not worthy. Unquote. So many not-anarchist assumptions in that quotation, I do not even know where to start. Who's revolution? What is revolution? What counts as struggle? Who's marginalized and oppressed? Isn't that us? Linear progression of desires, linear progression of freedom. Come on now. Did I mention fuck Libcom? Anarchism in the Philippines from New Frame. New Frame is apparently a, quote, not-for-profit social justice media publication based in Johannesburg, South Africa, unquote, which is the only description I could find on their website. This is a slightly modified version of a conversation in Pangaya and Decolonizing Resistance, Anarchism in the Philippines, a book from PM Press. Mm. In this excerpt, the author Boss Umali and another Filipino anarchist discuss the history of anarchy in the Philippines, mostly noticing its conspicuous absence in relation to other East Asian countries like Japan, and plotting its trajectory through expats, punk, indigeneity, and activism. Communique by Luis Ling Sell from atake.noblogs.org, translated by Anarchist News. Yay us! Short, quote, In the morning of May 3rd, with May Day in mind, we didn't miss the opportunity to break the precious panes of glass of the Fernandez car dealership, finishing off by illuminating them with an encouraging insurrectionary fire. There's no better way to remember this date than letting rage blow up against exploitation. Less of the virtual and more action in the streets. Long live anarchy! Unquote. International Day of Solidarity with Anarchist Prisoners, June 11th, 2021. From June 11th by email. Here the folks at J11 and org centered on supporting long-term anarchist prisoners urges us not to forget those locked up or lost during 2020 worldwide. Quote, we stand at a crossroads. Do we allow anarchism to become flat and colorless, a new word to describe an old corpse? Do we evaporate into vague leftism and its tired theater of activism? Do we surrender our principles, solidarity, mutual aid, direct action, cooperation to the new managers of revolt? Or do we keep to our own light, our own vision, our own project? June 11th remains a light in the darkness for our comrades in prison, but also for us, unquote. I'm deaf a sucker for fire metaphors. Margins and Problems from Libertarian Labyrinth by Sean Wilbur. Here Sean runs down a rabbit hole and, to mix a metaphor, perhaps gets a little lost in the weeds following the story of a radical 19th century reformist Paul Brown. 
While that particular piece of this submission feels a bit beyond my purview, Sean's continued delineation of near anarchisms, anarchisms in progress, and philosophical anarchisms remains a fascinating experiment in running the A-word back through time, picking out all the strange ways it is woven in and out of political thinking. Anarchism in India, from Prazi Noi Lutheria Koi.wordpress.com. A Greek website with some things in English, but not the explanation of what the site is for or from. This is an interview of a member of a communal project that includes some anarchists starting in rural India that plans to do COVID and poverty relief based on land that belongs to one of the members. There's not one word about what makes the project anarchist, though there's lots of talk about getting help from international anarchist groups. Hmm. End of hunger strike in Chilean prisons from Abolition Media Worldwide. After 50 days, the Chilean prisoners end their hunger strike, citing a variety of positive changes as well as international support and activity for them. Because the translation is pretty iffy, I'm not entirely clear on what exactly some of these successes are, but I'm glad it was enough for them to start eating again. Quote, thousands of lessons can be drawn from these 50 days. The essential thing is the strength of our convictions, which, since the deepest horizontality, in affinity and mutual aid, has succeeded through a plurality of forms of action to pass our demands in many languages and in many different territories by deepening the anti-carceral struggle of our time. Unquote. Also, apparently none of the hunger strikers are supposed to be punished for starving themselves. Yay! The struggle continues. ABC Moscow News from Anon. Five people who are either currently prisoners or recently released need help in various ways, mostly through letter writing. Lezhnik Yegor Sergeyevich, Ilya Alexandrovich Shikursky, Mikhailenko Denis Sergeyevich. Others need a bit of money or just attention to their cases. Note that Russian prison camps seldom accept letters written in English, but you can use Google Translate or other translation programs or send pictures only. Again, sending letters to prisoners can have a huge impact on both their spirits and how the prison officials treat them. Write a fucking anarchist prisoner today, goddammit. Audio and video. Radical cooperation, Firestorm Books. From Non-Servium Podcast. One hour and 24 minutes. Says it's a video, but it's really just audio. Woo! An explicitly anarchist conversation from the get-go. Firestorm is in Asheville, North Carolina, and the conversation starts out with chatting about the town's anarchist scene and cred and community tactics, then moves into more personal stories of political trajectories, etc. Note, the idea that you can pinpoint the books that changed your life is so adorable. Was I ever that young? I don't think so. These folks are both more friendly to markets and willing to talk about that than most anarchists I hear from, so that's different. This is totally worth listening to as the speakers are comfortable, the questions don't suck, and all three participants are, again, talking about actual anarchist stuff, even if it's not your anarchism. You already know what you think, right? Topic of the week, figuring it out, what happened, what to do. Inspired by a few things, including the Facebook Supreme Court thing, which is a private corporation setting up a tribunal that may or may not be independent, but is trying to be to oversee the private corporation and set standards that might have much wider ramifications, some not anarchist drama that might as well be, and some past personal experiences What do you think are the best slash worst ways to, A, gauge whether someone has done something that they deny doing, 
B, respond to said something if it was in fact done. While we all have our own knee-jerk tendencies when hearing these stories, especially online, especially with people we don't know, we can all, I hope, agree that there are people who are hurt needlessly by others. And there are people who are accused of things that they didn't do. And we will all, at some point in our lives, be put in the position to figure out how to know which is which with people we actually know, perhaps even ourselves. A, what are processes that have worked in your life when someone was accused or not accused of nefarious behavior to determine what happened or didn't happen? What systems have you heard about or imagined that might work better than what you've actually experienced? B, for the part of the conversation that is post-guilt determination, let us get the obvious responses out of the way because there are many that are obvious and so have little to teach us. Direct physical confrontation by the survivors or allies, spreading the story, aka rumor-mongering for anyone who is too far afield, shaming of various sorts, ostracization, etc. Someone a couple weeks ago mentioned an instance of what we might call babysitting, not allowing the perpetrator to be alone with any potential victims. What are other options that prod one's imagination? Greetings, Anarchy Land. We come to you with an involved and tense <laughs> topic today. I have Chisel sitting next to me. Um, I'm hoping it's going to I'm going to clarify everything. Bring some clarity to the madness. So, yeah. So, this is, so my, this is my topic of the week. Um, so, I felt some responsibility for, like, clarifying some shit. Uh, and it was... And it was disappointing that, uh, yeah, that I didn't, I guess I didn't do a good job framing this in a way that worked for people. I have not looked at any of the 90 comments. It's a, kind of a crapshoot. Um, well, that's nice. I think that people are, there are definitely some people who are working on trying to figure it out, but uh, yeah. So the the question was an attempt to do some things that are all pretty hard. One of them is to... Um, uh, remind people that that there that this will happen in their life. Um, they will be in a situation where they have to figure out what the fuck, um, and and it's almost always what the fuck on various levels. So it's who did what, when, what does it matter? Does it matter? You know, the person who's telling you the story, what's their aspect, you know, how, how does their bias or whatever play into it? How are you, how are you yourself responsible for participating or ignoring or like, these are always very complicated situations when we're, when we're presented with these things. And, um, and I think that the best usually that we can do is think about it is just put ourselves in the position like the specifics are always super important um and you're not going to be able to anticipate the specifics but you can anticipate some scenarios it happens a lot that one of your friends will accuse another friend of doing something terrible and you having had some thinking about it um is better than not so part of this question was just a reminder that that this stuff happens. And part of it was a question about um, have people have, you know, again, was just on the face of it, have people had experiences or have people had uh, brainstorms or have they seen other people doing anything that has been better than the things that normally get floated as, as suggestions in these scenarios? Um, 
And then the other, the Facebook tribunal question just struck me when I heard about it as being this interesting scenario of corporate corporatism, corporate bodies taking on these positions of judgment. Um, Can you do 60 seconds on what this Facebook tribunal is for people who haven't Well, it's described it, in the question. The so it's, it, Facebook paid for, uh, they, they put a fund to pay for a body of people that when they get a super controversial case about whether they should, what they should do with a specific user or a post or whatever, it goes to that tribunal. And the tribunal is supposed to be independent. They're trying to be independent. Um, and uh, and the thing that they just did that was the high profile thing that brought them to people's attention or brought it to my attention was about the, the Trump thing. Um, so this <clears throat> this idea that a private company like inter- it, like the corporations already have so much power in terms of especially the social media, like people are talking about this all the time. They have all this power. They're doing they're making all these changes to society and to how we interact with each other um, in ways that there's no actual oversight and then they're creating that now they're creating their own oversight and what does that look like and what does that mean and what are the ramifications of that and how does that how is that going to play with what happens with the court the existing court system and is it going to interact with them are they going to be these totally different layers so anyway it was just sort of it caused me to my ears to go up a little bit like Mm -hmm. what's this going to mean how terrible is this going to turn out (laughs) So, yeah, so I was trying to sort of sticking these things together in a way that's not entirely natural, but it it made me like, you know, sometimes when you stick things together and you juxtapose things that don't necessarily go together immediately, then you get little brainstorms. Mm-hmm. So that's that was the hope. Um, and. And yeah, and so I'm going to go back and just say that uh, this is going to be probably a short topic of the week because all I really have to add to sort of the things that everybody more or less already knows about probably um, is that there is uh, a thing about scale. It continues to totally concern me that people who call themselves anarchists, who are anarchists continue to think in terms of forensics um, and, and criminal justice systems. Mm -hmm. And even if, even if they're not trying to think in those terms, even if they're thinking that forensics, for example, (coughs) is just a science thing, like the context of the word forensics comes out of, of a specific framework and Mm -hmm. you can't you can't I don't think you can take that away I don't think you can take the word forensics and the mindset of what forensics is away from the framework of criminal justice and the court system and blah 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 and that my you know the thing that I keep going back to which was talked about in this pamphlet thoughts on communities responses to intimate violence whatever is is this idea of having of having conversations of, of picking the people who are your close friends and um determining like having conversations with that group of people whoever like if somebody were to accuse you of something terrible right tomorrow right who would you go to for support or for reality check whoever those people are you have that conversation now have the conversation if your parent gets super sick and you have to go take care of them who are those like have that conversation now think about you know if you go to prison and you need somebody to take care of your dogs, have that, like whatever the level of the, of the concern is or something like having those conversations with each other. And, and the harder the conversation is like being, being accused of rape or being whatever, whatever the hardest accusation would be for you. That's the one. 
that's the conversation you most need to have with right with your people. That also comes out of being involved in domestic violence for many, many years and going to tons of presentations about uh, domestic violence where a, pres- a presenter who, who knows something will come in and will talk to you about the cycle of violence. And they will have all these general, they will have all these generalities that are frequently true, but not always true. Right. And, and don't necessarily help in when there's a much more complicated power dynamic going on. Like I've mm-hmm. had, you know, like, yeah, I've just been, I've had people in my life who had super complicated situations and the simplistic understanding of how power works in a relationship did not help them get out of that relationship right? Um, or deal with staying in the relationship, which sometimes they wanted to do too, or they weren't sure what they wanted to do. So anyway, so this thing about how we have to, like part of the decentralization, part of taking responsibility, part of having agency in our own lives involves figuring out with each other, not on our own, because we won't be on our own unless we're super fucked, um, figuring out with each other, like what our standards are. Mm-hmm. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm in a relationship where I'm hitting the person who I'm with and they're hitting me, but we're okay with that because that is a, that's the background we come from. That's how we feel comfortable dealing with like, then that's okay. Like then I, I want my friends to know that if I show up with a black eye, it's, you know, unless I tell them it's a problem, it's okay. Right. On the other hand, it. And it, it's not, this isn't a simple thing. People get sucked into relationships where they think, where they start to think things are okay, that then they like, but that's also a thing to pay attention to. Like, that's also a thing to anticipate. Like you can anticipate this stuff. You can have reality checks with yourself. It's hard to do this when you haven't had very much experience with yourself and what you want and how, what your tendencies are in terms of getting sucked into shit, because, which is something that happens to all of us. Okay. So yeah. I'm, so I'm going to prod at you. Thank you. Um, so the crux of what you are saying is it's complicated (laughs) and And contextual (laughs) and contextual (laughs) and that just because I as an individual, as a friend, as a sister, as a whatever, care about someone involved doesn't mean that um, my help is unconditionally good. Mm-hmm. And we have to be careful about bringing our own biases and our own understandings of what's acceptable and what's appropriate um, in context, in relationships, in whatever, um, to these things because you can just make things more complicated. You, we need to go slow. We need to talk to each other. We need to think about what we're doing. Um, we need to think about what's what's happening in front of us and the context around it and talk about it. I hesitate to say that we need to think more because thinking is overvalued. Well, this was, this was me going <laughs> off of one of the yeah, early things no, you no, said. Yeah, I, okay, well, here's the thing that I want to put to you. Okay, good. All of that makes sense to me. Okay. But in the face of someone hurting someone I care about, uh-huh. that is all deeply unsatisfying, uh-huh, uh-huh. right? And this makes me think about, I was just listening to a podcast where this woman who specializes in nonviolent communication and restorative justice and transformative justice, her laying out very clearly that RJ and TJ basically do not have a mechanism for revenge and how that, is often 
a problem for people. It's hard for people. And while it does have a mechanism for, I have been hurt, I have been wronged, and this is the thing that I want that will make me feel less hurt and less wronged, there's lots of ways that that's often not so useful. One, because of what you said about we don't always know what we want. We have to know what we want. We want things that conflict with each other. And that's just because we're people. And that's yep. totally, actually totally okay, but makes that process really difficult. Um, and two, because sometimes we move really fast. And in the moment, what you want is you want someone else to hurt as much as you hurt, or actually more than you hurt. Because we come from a culture of a like a, a more aggressive response um, and transformative justice and restorative justice are just trying to slow those things down to, to get you to stop and say, what is it you really want? But what I thought was interesting was that one of her responses to that was talk to your peers. Mm-hmm. Um, and she used this great example of um, her of a housemate stealing her waffles. <laughs> That was funny. And then, you know, she wants to put him all over the internet as a waffle stealer. And then, you know, maybe just say that to someone who's a friend, but who's maybe a step removed, who can then look at you and go, really? Is that really what you want to do? Waffle stealer all over the internet. I'm not really sure that's what you want to do. Um, so I guess uh, I want to open up room for you to talk about. Um, the fact that all of this, while good practice, is intensely unsatisfying. And how how can we as, you know, especially like I am intensely, intensely protective of the people that I care about almost to an, in an inappropriate, ferocious level. Um, and so that's hard for me. Yeah, I mean, your specific, you as a specific example would... I would say something about figuring out that you are, that protection can mean a a wider variety of things than you normally understand. Mm -hmm. So that's how I would respond to you. Um, And I guess the more general point that, because I'm trying to say something where I don't immediately say, oh, but this other totally opposite (laughs) thing is also true because I'm really pissing myself off right now. Um, And I think that, I think that there's some, there is something about slowing down, whether that's in interaction with other people or just in yourself. So that's one thing I can certainly say that slowing down has been extremely helpful for me. And usually when I get into most trouble with other people, I just, it's because I'm trying to go too fast. So that's one thing Two, recognizing that we're multiple people in one, recognizing that we will always have like mutually exclusive desires. We, we are not a single, we are not unified individually, we contain so many different personalities, so many different things that we want that do not go together, that cannot go together, um, or that can't go together in the moment, or like it's, we're in flex all the time. And so recognizing that, even if that's the only thing that you take away, like just recognizing that you can be a different person in 30 seconds than you are right now, is going to loosen you up around what you think your options are, around what you want from other people. It's going to like, it will just give you a lot more flexibility. I think that's okay. I'm going to leave it there. (laughs) I feel safe there. I think. 
I'm sure I will remember something about how that's terrible. So the the first question in the topic is what are processes that have worked in your life when someone was accused or not accused of nefarious behavior to determine what happened or didn't happen? What systems have you heard about or imagined that might work better than what you've actually experienced? Um, I feel like we have talked about this. Um, I feel like the nod to restorative justice and transformative justice is relevant here. Um, I have only ever seen transformative justice produce an outcome that was happy for everybody that once that didn't involve one party just leaving. Um, And I think that that's about the fact that it's hard. And I think that that's about the fact that if you have a person who is, I can't believe I'm going to say this word, problematic, Mm -hmm. who is, I know, who is constantly present, then this is on some level, but it's actually what it made me think about with the babysitting idea. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there's someone that you always have to deal with and all the ways that they are a problem is something that you always have to deal with. And that's exhausting and a lot of work and requires a lot of time and attention from a whole community of people. Um, And I don't, this is actually how we mostly don't embody the concept of community because we mostly aren't interested in that. And or don't, or, or, or and don't have time yeah, for it. Don't or don't, or right? Like, there's like, so, yeah, there's, there's so many, there's so, so many things on. there. Yeah, so many things, yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, I'm just making sure that we, uh, the, the Facebook um, Supreme Court Tribunal thing is fascinating. If you haven't read about it, it's totally worth 15 minutes of your time. Uh, the pamphlet that Chisel um, is mentioning Uh, It's fantastic. It's three people having a conversation about this exact topic. And it's kind of, it's just uh, uh, translated. No. Multiple people. Is it multiple people? Yeah, I think there's five people. Is there five? Yeah, and there's different stories about actual stories from people's lives about how things have happened. And and yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, So what's the title again? Community thoughts, some thoughts on community responses to intimate violence. Stupid fucking title. Yeah, it's long, title. so it's hard to find. But you can get it at Little Black Cart. Uh, is it is it on the library? Is it at other places? I don't know if it's on the library. We should see that. We should get it on the library. Um, uh, but in the short term, uh, I will uh, will will make it available for a dollar and the cost of shipping. Um, okay. So come. If, if you know if, if you if you're interested it's a it's a good read it's really strong I highly suggest it um it's actually been around for quite a while um so you can find that at little black heart and we'll put we'll put a link in the show notes uh any last thoughts no no you're gonna you're gonna I, quit I, I, was, I, was I feel like you're ahead today this is a sprint today <laughs> not a fucking marathon let me the hell out Well, thanks for listening, Anarchy Land. And um, perhaps when you stumble into difficult moments in your life, this will encourage you to, you know, slow down and and uh, think things through. And maybe it might give you some reprieve. Um, Yeah. Watch your backs and stay angry and take care of yourselves until next time. Bye.
This week's podcast was sound edited by Greg, who is me. The What's New is written and read by Chisel, Chisel and who Greg. Is not me and Greg, who is me. I am me. You are you. We are me. We thank Ariel and Chisel for their help, our help, the, the, <laughs> the who help, are you? the help with the topic of the week, which is what happened and what to do about it. We hope this podcast is useful to and fun for anarchists and anarcho curious. Give us feedback and structure criticism by email at podcast and anarchists. For more information, you can go to your see what you guys are Oh yeah, just stop it.